Upper Shores Community Health Foundation is proud to introduce you to Do Good Volunteer of the Month, Cassie Callio. Cassie is at every event, at just about every local school she can get to, taking high-quality pictures for free. It warms the heart of her community to see the action shots, but also the camaraderie behind the scenes. She captures all of that out of the goodness of her heart. She's a gem and treasured by the school community. If you know an incredible volunteer like Cassie, go to coppershores.org slash do good and nominate them to be recognized as the next Do Good in the Copper Country Volunteer of the Month. Welcome back to segment two of Copper Country Today. I'm Todd Van Dyke. Our program is brought to you by the Copper Shores Community Health Foundation. Learn more about them at coppershores.org. Thanks again to State Representative Jen Hill for guesting on the first segment of the program this morning. State Representative Greg Markinen will be in in our first program of the next year. We're going to take the next two weeks off for Christmas Eve Day and New Year's Eve Day, and he will be guesting on the program on January 7th to kind of give us the Republican side of what went on in the most recent session in Lansing. But with the holiday coming up, I thought it would be timely to bring in Mike Lutz and Cynthia Drake from Omega House. We're heading into a time of year that everybody views as happy, well, almost everybody views as happy. There are people in particular who have lost loved ones recently or even sometime further in the past where we go into the holiday season and memories come up and sadness sets in. And I thought we would talk about resources that we have to deal with that and how you cope with that with uh, Cynthia Drake, who is, uh, you're, you're the, uh, the grief support educator, the grief support educator mm-hmm. at Omega House. Mike Lutz is the executive director. Uh, thank you both for coming in. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah. How serious, uh, how big a problem is this, Cynthia, as you talk to people? Well, of course, I'm in the midst of talking to people who are in grief who come forward to talk and need support Um, but I would say just in general and with people we're all walking the journey of grief in some level or another if you're human and you love someone you're gonna face grief at some point well it's it's true I've uh, sometimes I I think about people who don't grieve about and I'm thinking you're not you didn't have much to begin with did you yeah yeah if you have family members that you love if you have uh, people in your life that you care about that's an inevitable consequence of it mm-hmm. you're going to lose those people either mm-hmm. they're going to move away they're going to move out of your life they're going to pass away absolutely. and there's a grief process that you go through and it's not necessarily just if they died absolutely yes you, just like you pointed out people can leave i mean i have a i have three children i'm an empty nester so your children leave home those are you move into a new area there's m- multiple forms of grief during covid we were isolated from each other and a lot of people lost multiple people at one time so these holidays get more and more of a reminder of the things that you're not missing that you are missing that you feel others have divorce and romantic breakups i would assume fall into this category as well absolutely yes and so there are a lot of reasons that people Mm -hmm. have unfortunately to feel sad coming into the holiday season um Mm. i am feeling a little bit of this myself i lost both my parents over the last 15 months and uh, and, you know, I, I've tried to be philosophical about this. There are very few people who live into their mid-60s who have their parents both alive and well and healthy and at home until not that long ago. Um, I look at it first and foremost as having been very blessed by their 
experience in my life. But still, I head up towards uh, the Christmas holiday here. I remember all of the gatherings that we had, my mother's cooking and all of that kind of thing. And I start to feel a few little pangs here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I'm one who can take these things kind of philosophically, but others can't. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. And there's so much information, too, about how our brains are wired. And then once we had go through grief, they have to completely rewire because so many parts of grief are day to day, like you're even mentioning, or even, you know, the holidays are a special occasion, but it's all about our life and the patterns in our lives and completely are shifted when, when we're missing a major person in that pattern really so, my whole right. brain is now different than it used well your is brain it? will have to change in order to get through the grief right so so when people are grieving it's a long-term situation because there's a long time that everything has to repattern in our brains to make a new reality because it's trying to put it back the way it was how it was normal that yeah. explains why on sunday afternoons i think oh i need to pick up the phone and call mom absolutely and i know that i can't call mom she passed right. away last spring i'm not calling her anymore but even through the week that yeah. thing pops up oh i gotta talk to mom about that mm-hmm. when i call her on saturday oh wait a minute i'm not calling her on saturday absolutely. Or, or sunday the, yeah. the way that i that i normally did um so this is more of a, a natural, perhaps physical thing than it's, I thought it was. It's absolutely that. And so people feel like they're the ones who are crazy in the world when they're dealing with all these feelings or these things that come up in their day to day. But it's actually just the situation's crazy because you that person should be there. That situation shouldn't have changed. So those are the things that are, are my, our brains take a lot longer because they're trying to make our, us regulated again and they're trying to put everything back to normal. Is so, it yeah. different, say in my case, where I had my parents with me for 65 plus 67 years in, case of my, in the case of my mom, that's a natural thing at some point to lose your parents. It's not mm-hmm. a, an easy thing, but mm-hmm. it's a natural thing. There is also the unnatural side of thing, the parent that loses a child, mm-hmm. the spouse that loses a, a spouse mm-hmm. or a partner at a very early age to mm-hmm. something. Is that more traumatic when that happens unnaturally? It's just different. Okay. It's completely different, yeah. Um, so when one's anticipating, you're anticipating something to happen, but even when you anticipate None of us can anticipate until we're living it. So we can try to prepare, and we do. But then when you're living it, it's a completely different reality than you expected. And I would expect, since you now tell me that this actually has a physical brain programming thing to it, I would expect that maybe that explains why it hits some people harder than others. That's probably true, yeah. And it's also the relationships are all unique. With the situation or the loved one that's where the loss is, it's always a unique to that person. So even in families, you'll see people grieving in different ways because they had a particular relationship with that person. Hey, you folks have a, a monthly seminar on, on grief. You have a, a support group that meets, and I'll mention that it's coming up this Thursday. Yes. And so people who are heading into the holidays, if you're looking ahead at this, uh, there is, Mike, an opportunity to kind of get together with people and talk it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we uh, have a, a third Thursday grief support group uh, that meets, uh, well, the third Thursday of the month, and it's coming up this Thursday on the 21st, and it's at 5 o'clock uh, right at Omega House for an hour. Um, if um, maybe getting together in a group setting uh, isn't for you right now, um, we do offer a Zoom link. So we can have folks uh, participate either in person or virtually. Uh, We would just ask that uh, you call the Omega House. Let us know you're coming. Let us know um, 
uh, which way you'd like to. You want to come to the house or do you want to do it uh, via Zoom? And we can accommodate that. And we do have information about that posted on our QNRReport.com community calendar. So you can, you can look there. Do you typically see an increase in attendance in this group as we get to uh, a landmark holiday such as this? Yeah, I, um, our numbers are showing that uh, we can expect the numbers to double. So what does that mean for us um, on a typical third Thursday meeting? We would probably see anywhere from 6 to 10, maybe 12 folks. Um, we'll probably see uh, close to two dozen or so um, uh, coming in and, and processing grief with others that are uh, in the same situation. So how do you know if this is appropriate i mean we all feel sadness from time to time we all lose people we lose jobs we lose other things that are important to us when do you think how do how do i know that it's time that i better go talk to somebody i better go share my feelings as opposed to just you know being manly and <laughs> sucking it all up here well it's pretty interesting because people from, just to let you know, people who come, they're, they're young people, they're older people, they're people of all genders. Um, so it's, it's not really, there's no typical person who comes, I think. And then when you're ready to come is really individual as well. Some people come because a family member really encouraged them to come and they call me. Or sometimes they just show up, um, they, they heard about it somewhere. A lot of people, it took them a long time to decide to come. There are people who have come on a regular basis for a long time and continue to come. And they are, what I find in it is the witnessing of other people is just as important as sharing. So a lot of people are holding a safe container for others to share what they're going through. Wait a minute, what is a safe container? Well, a safe container is like, I, I we sit in kind of a, a semicircle and we try to hold space for people to feel safe to share. So we hold it in confidence and we talk about that and we talk about that it's okay to share whatever's in your heart today and we'll all listen. And so we don't comment on someone what they say. We don't um, it's not a conversation in that way. It's a, it's a sharing from your heart, and then other people are safely holding that space for you to do that. So if I go to the meeting and I say, I'm grieving this, that, and the other thing, nobody's going to say, you know, that's pretty trivial compared no. to what some of the rest of us are going through. Right. There's never any comparison, and all of us have an understanding, and I set that up, that grief is individual, and yet the threat of what it is is the same for all of us. So all of us have that empathy for understanding because we're human, and we, we came into the world knowing really how to grieve. It's cultural things that shift that for us and don't allow it. To come through well and as we yeah. mentioned at the top of the program there are a lot of different things that cause us to grieve the Absolutely. loss of a person but also the loss of a job uh, mm -hmm. the relationship I suppose even a loss of a, a, a wonderful pet yes then yes. and, and that holiday season would yeah. bring that in you you're going mm -hmm. to back to the house and you know, dogs not going to be there cats not going to be there and then that leaves a hole too I suppose it is and some people actually grieve their pet more than a human and they might feel guilty about that but when you think about it again about the day-to-day -day, how we're connected uh, a pet's constantly in your daily routine and the pet's not unconditional love that humans struggle giving each other and so there's a lot of things about a loss of a pet that are, are really big yeah, well, then, and that's a great point because, uh, you know, you may see mom and dad once a week, once mm -hmm. a month, once a year, depending on how far away they live. You may talk to them on the phone uh, a time or two a week, but there is uh, Fido every day to greet you with uh, that mm -hmm. smile and that mm -hmm. wagging tail when you come home and uh, Fido disappears. That's a big loss. It is. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So this uh, the support group is open to anybody. Any cost to attend? No. Um, that's the, the nice thing about this. Um, when we put this program together, oh, so uh, five, six years ago now, um, and it started through um, a grant uh, from what was Portage Health Foundation at the time, uh, and the Rice Memorial Clinic uh, donated um, some seed money to get it started, and it's fully funded now by uh, Omega House. And... Um, we felt as an organization that sees 60 plus families a year uh, go through a loss of a loved one that we could do more for the community and um, we fully fund this um, ourselves now there's no cost to anyone for our grief support if you'd like to make a donation um, in in honor of the program um, that would be nice um, but no, this is uh, free. And one thing I'd like to say about the workshop is one thing, but maybe getting together or sitting in a group setting isn't quite, you're not ready for that yet. Uh, Cynthia will meet um, with you one-on-one. And we, okay. have, we have quiet space at um, a private spot at the Omega House. And um, we could work out a, a time and, and you could just uh, process your grief on a one-on-one situation. Of course, Omega House, your main mission is providing end-of-life care for people here in the Copper Country, uh, particularly you're the only in-house provider of end-of-life care here in the region. And so you see this grief process play out consistently. Yeah, um, we do. And, um, you know, hospice plays a part in that, and and they follow up on on their um, families for the next year or so. but even that's somewhat limited, so we needed to provide a program that, again, isn't just open to those who have lost someone at the Omega House. This is community-wide. Yeah. So um, y- y- you don't even have to have a connection to Omega House, uh, and you should just feel welcome to come um, if you're feeling you know, those um, grief-related feelings. So. Yeah, illness doesn't take any time off for the holidays. Correct. <laughs> you work right through the holidays with people who are facing their last days. Is that more challenging for families to try to deal with that around the Christmas time holiday? Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it just heightens everything, you know. And when you have a resident at Omega House, um, you know, obviously they're there and, and they're living. Um, uh, but there's some, you know, what we would call maybe anticipatory grief where we're, we're dwelling on what's the next step, what's going to happen. Um, that in itself is a, a grief that needs to be dealt with. But um, Well, and everybody wants a timetable. Yeah. It can't always be provided. Yeah, yeah. We, we do as much, um, you know, uh, teaching or um, showing our families, you know, the signs and symptoms, and, and but none of us really know when that last moment is. Um, but there are signs that show that there is a, a decline that's happening, and, and we try to help them through that journey. Yeah, and I suppose, again, at the holidays where there are so many family memories built up, uh, when this happens around the holidays, it's got to be extra stressful. Uh, yeah, um, you know, for, for all. I mean, we, we know that our families are maybe even a little bit more heightened in their um you know, what what they're thinking about and how this process is going to go. So um, we, we teach our staff to slow down, spend more time with your with the families and, and help them through the journey, help them through with any questions. We have, um, uh, we have a, 
a lending library at the Omega House that was part of the Rice Memorial gift uh, back several years ago. Um, it's it's basically uh, a tall bookshelf in our living room with all things about grief that you may want to know or read about. You can check those books out at no cost and uh, bring them back when you're done. So we we provide education and, and support um, throughout the process, even after the, the passing. You know, then, you know, Cynthia's group and her teachings come into play after that. So, so let's pause it here. Somebody is headed out to a family reunion, and one of the parents or somebody very close to the family, very central to the family, passed away recently, and everybody's going to be getting together. Um, let's say I'm going to that gathering. I know I'm going to have some feelings. How do I prepare myself for this? How do I maybe set this up in advance so that I don't fall apart? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I mean, certainly somebody could, like, for instance, call, and, and that would be something I could talk with someone about, that those concerns. But it, it really is about... Um, listening to yourself and listening to what you need in those situations. So if you need to walk away from the group for a while and take a walk, I mean, walking is actually really healing. Things we do with our bodies help release grief. Um, so that's why people do cry. Tears are also part of a physical response um, because a lot of this is inside of us and it needs to come through. Um, but you won't be able to predict, <laughs> unfortunately, when someone says something that may, that has you falling apart. And and it's, it's, it's really an interesting phenomenon that our culture is really afraid of the falling apart part, but actually that's what creates community around grief. Um, the tears and the and the sorrow and the expression of missing someone and memories about that person are actually ways we move the grief through grief through us. So, so why have we built up this thing in society that we're supposed to be, you know, stonewalling all of this? I think it's mostly because we live in a very linear culture that wants to get busy again. And busy does kind of cover up a lot of things. So if we keep busy, we stay at a certain surface level. And that's sort of why holidays when they come around and we slow down and we're with family and we're celebrating now, now all the memories, now all the stuff comes forward because we we've dropped into a different place in ourselves and all the vulnerabilities there. So I think it's that part of us that doesn't want to be vulnerable that needs to keep busy and our culture wants us to produce more and keep active. So I think that is a lot of our resistance and not every culture does it like we do, but, um, and I don't think we always did it that way when we used to have, the body prepared in the home and you had a funeral parlor in your home and all that kind of thing. Um, it was closer in and people did witness it more, but we've kind of moved all of those into services at this point. Um, so less and less of that's part of a family normal. And process. I think historically we experienced perhaps grief somewhat more than we do now. I remember finding out when my grandfather died that I had an uncle who died in child childhood. You know, a hundred years ago, we lost children routinely Absolutely. here in the Copper Country. We lost one worker a week in the mines here in the Copper Country. We lost mothers routinely in childbirth. Mm -hmm. Death was all around us a hundred, a hundred and twenty, a hundred and fifty years ago. Today, we don't see it so much, mm -hmm. particularly in those 
and in those situations where we would not normally expect it. So perhaps we're not as prepared as we used to be. Absolutely. You're, you're right. And then also just the fact that we did do a lot more of these things within the families or there was a wake or there were, there were a lot more of those kinds of traditions of coming together as a group. And because like you said, it was so frequent and so public and uh, the people were actually seeing that someone died and there was a funeral this week and the, those things were more prevalent and out there. So yes, a lot of it we can we can get busy where people couldn't have before as much. And of course we're coming up on the the anniversary of the that terrible Christmas Eve in 1913 yes. with the uh, the Italian Hall tragedy and there are stories about that that say we really don't know how many people died in that because there was a tradition at that point that if a child died, you just took the body home, buried it in the backyard. We really don't know. There might be one or two victims that were never accounted for because they were just never processed through the system. So it was something that families dealt with, I think, a lot more consistently a century ago. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So now I'm at the family gathering and I'm doing okay, but suddenly my sister just falls apart. Mm-hmm. How do I approach her? I think sometimes we worry because we think we have to say something to someone. And we don't necessarily have to. I but think that's our that's our role in society. We have to make it better. Right, right. Especially us guys. We have to yeah, make it yeah. better. And I think you hit, that's actually a really good point because I think that's the other side of us. We're a fix-it culture and we want to make it all better. And in grief, we can't do that. Grief, grief will change you forever. Um, and that part of you will be altered. So we can't actually make this better. We just carry, I tell people, we'll carry it differently as we go along, but it will always be with you. So yeah, that... Um, that impulse is good to want to go comfort the person, but the best comfort you can give is go up to them and you could see if they're a hugger or if you're a hugger, you could hug them. You could ask if they want to sit down for a moment and just let them cry and give them a Kleenex, you know, but let them be where they are and you can approach and see if they want someone to be with them as they're grieving. Because some people don't, but often people do because grief is actually a lot more of a collective thing than we understand. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a timetable? on this. Okay, it's been three or four years now since loved one passed, and I've still got someone who comes to the reunion and can't get through it. Is there a a point at which you might have to say to somebody, you know, maybe you need a little bit more help in dealing with this? There's nothing wrong with like suggesting someone get more support if you feel concerned. Um, I think that's very appropriate. But I wouldn't say there's any normal pattern to grief because, again, it's such an individual relationship with a person. There's all sorts of complicating circumstances around it. And everybody, like you had mentioned, deals with things differently. Yeah. We're all individuals. So there, I don't see it as anything. We've, we've had people come in who haven't talked about their grief I think I had a gentleman come in, his wife died, I don't know, maybe six years ago, and he came in, he said it was his first time ever talking about her after the death to anyone in this way. So there are people who wait, you know, they just, it's not their time to talk about it yet. They're in, they, they have other things or other ways they're trying to cope with it. So I don't believe there's ever a timeline because you think about the loved one, we're kind of honoring the love we had for somebody and why would we stop talking about them? Why do we stop caring about you yeah. know that relationship? In yeah. fact, I think it is really important to honor that person in some level. When when it becomes something that's debilitating to someone living, then it's a concern. Like it seems like they aren't creating their own life around this grief and they're still not continuing on. 
that would be something you maybe want to see if they could see someone professionally to help them through so they can start having a life because you do want to still live it because you're still here living. So it would yeah. be a, a useful thing or a, perhaps a helpful thing at this family gathering that's coming up to get up maybe at dinner and say something. Boy, I wish uh, mom could be here for this and uh, let, let's toast mom and the memory and let's remember those wonderful pecan thingies that she made and that kind of thing and maybe even laugh a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, social connection has great healing power and I think that um, being around others at a time when you're grieving is is very important. Yeah. And laughter is not at all inappropriate here. No. You're not disrespecting their memory if you bring up something weird that they did or the 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 <laughs> year that the the turkey got burned or, mm-hmm. or things yeah. of that nature. You're not being disrespectful at all. No, you're celebrating their life and the fact that they lived and they brought you joy. No, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. And and if you can laugh at at you know the passing or your, the one you miss so much, maybe that's a sign that you are making progress. Yeah, you know. So I think that there's some of those things that we we look at too. So if you are going into the holiday season and you have suffered a loss, uh, first of all, if you do have. Uh, I want a desire to talk about it. This coming Thursday, the grief support group at Omega House. There are other things that you can do as well. If this has really gotten you depressed to the point where you're thinking about some self-harm or you're thinking about uh, really, really dark thoughts, uh, our friends at Dial Help are always available. You can go to their website, get their number. You can call them. You can text them. You don't have to go through the holiday alone. If you're really, really struggling with this, there are ways that you can move on. There are ways that you can get brightened up a little bit, and we hope that everybody has a wonderful holiday, even if there is somebody that's not going to be there that has been in the past. And thanks to Mike Lutz from Omega House and Cynthia Drake. Thank you both for coming in. I hope you have a wonderful holiday. You do. Thank you. Thank you so much.